we've been looking at a series um, on and off over the last few, few months about relationships. And I've been given the, the topic of family. Um, I've interpreted that tonight as the church family. The church family is something which I am absolutely passionate about. Um, I'm going to take this into two parts. Uh, what makes us a family? And how do we do relationships as this family? First, let's pray. Dear Lord, pray that you be with us tonight. I pray that the words that I have prepared are of you. Uh, Please help me uh, as I preach this evening. And I pray that each one of us are impacted by your words. Amen. Uh, we've got a passage which we're going to come on to. Um, I was given a theme uh, rather than just a passage. So I am going to be um, going a bit about the, uh, uh, the Bible, especially the New Testament. Uh, but the scriptures will all be on the screen. Um, but if you keep our passage open, uh, that would be helpful. I was born into this world on December the 10th, 1983 at St. Helier Hospital, Surrey. Uh, When I was two years old, about the time that photo was taken, uh, that's me and my my big sister. Um, I'm the one on the right, just in case you can. Um, Yeah, when I was about two years old, my mother and father divorced. My father broke his marriage vows and did not follow the path God intended for a father and a husband. When I was three... uh, My mother remarried. My mum and my sister and I were brought into a new family. And I had a new dad. Our lives were changed. We moved out of a high-rise council flat in London with no real prospects into a new life in Norfolk. We joined a new family. Uh, My dad was too a divorcee um, and had three children. I just want to make it clear... I'm not advocating divorce. It's not God's intention for us, and I will fight with every ounce of strength I can muster, praying and following scripture to make sure it's a concept that is never uttered in my marriage. But the truth is, our earthly families fail and fall short. For the past 30 years, I have been encouraged in my faith, nurtured, rebuked, supported, and loved. I was adopted. Uh, No legal documents have ever actually been signed, and the change of my surname from Bryant to Hill was my choice. Yet my dad, uh, my stepdad, who who I now know as my dad, uh, adopted me in all senses of the meaning, and I am now included in his inheritance. I now find myself in a family of two parents, two brothers, two sisters, Two brothers-in-law, two sisters-in-law, five nephews, six nieces, one wife and a son. And I love it. We can never get together at Christmas. We have to have our Christmas about a month earlier. We have to rent a big house um, near Fakenham to fit us all in. But I love being part of a big family. There are two ways that you enter into a family. You can be born or you can be adopted. God does both of these for us, being born again and adopted into the family of God. 
John 1, 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born by na- of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. When we receive Jesus, receive him as our saviour, believe in his name, accept him as king in our lives, and lord over all, we're able to be born anew. Not an earthly birth, but born anew as a child of God. Being born anew, we enter a new eternal life. A life not bound by earthly limits and death, for death has been defeated and has no power. We are born into God's family and receive adoption. At Romans 8, 15, 17. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his his glory. Uh, Just want to touch on sonship. Uh, When scripture talks about inheritance, it talks about sonship. Um, There may be some parts of the Bible where... uh, when it's talking about sons, uh, we can change that uh, to talk about children. But this, is, this isn't one of them. Um, and I'll just explain why. You can't translate that, that as sons and daughters or, or children uh, because God's adoption would no longer have the same meaning. At the time of the New Testament, adoption of daughters didn't have the same legal rights as, that, um, as the adoption of sons. Only sons would receive everything from, from their fathers. So if scripture said um, sonship or daughtership or childrenship or whatever other, other ship, um, be careful how I say that word, um, then it would not refer to the full inheritance which God gives. Let's be clear. This is not saying that God's ad- adoption does not count for women. Of course it does. But it's not about... To who, who the adoption's given, it's about, to, to who the inheritance is given, it's about what that inheritance is. It's the fullness which we get from God. As God's children, adopted into his family, each one of us, male or female, we have been assured an inheritance from our heavenly father. This heavenly heritage is God's purpose and will for us. We receive the promise of our inheritance by hearing the word of truth. And believing in Christ. So if we have received Christ, we are children of God and have entered into his family. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ. Those around you, those who we, who we share church with. But how are we meant to do relationships in, in this great family of, of God? Uh, John Calvin writes, The church is the gathering of God's children where they can be helped and fed like babies and then, guided by her motherly care, grow up to manhood in maturity of faith.
Most of you will know, um, as I've already mentioned, I'm a father uh, and I have a son. Um, last time I preached, I had this uh, photo. Um, let's see if it gets uh, just as many QRs going. There he is. That, that, that's, that's my son. Um, if on May 16th last year, I brought him home from the NNN, took him into our house, then not clothed him or fed him or provide him warmth, loved him or cared for him, he would not have survived and turned into the beautiful little boy he's becoming. As he gets older, if I do not teach him or send him to school, how will he learn to speak, read or write? If I don't rebuke him when he does something wrong or when he goes to touch the hot stove, how will I protect him from the dangers of this world? If I don't explain the Bible, show him the love of God the Father, teach him the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is loved, that the price of his sins and the sin that he is yet to commit has already been paid by Christ dying on the cross, and he can have eternal life. And as his father, that is my responsibility. How will he ever know any of that? It's the same in our church family. We have a responsibility to one another to show love, teach, rebuke. And remember, to rebuke, you need love. If you rebuke without love, you're judging somebody. And we're not here to judge. We're, We're here to forgive and grieve with those around us. Thankfully, through scripture, God has given the guidance we need to do this. You know, last night I had a look at how many um, relationship books were available to download on Amazon. 513,479. And Christian relationship books, 42,985. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing further reading. I've got books um, on my bookshelf uh, which help me um, understand the Bible more. But those books need to help you understand the Bible. If if we're having problems with our relationships, we don't need self-help books. We need scripture. There are so many uh, verses within the New Testament showing how the church uh, should do relationships together. Um, it was difficult to try and narrow one to, to, to preach on. Um, I'll just go through a few of them. Uh, some of these are themes rather than um, direct quotes. So let's just go through a couple of them. Uh, be devoted to one another. Honour one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded to, to, uh, to one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another or rebuke one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Teach one another. 
Encourage one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. Show hospitality to to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess our faults to one another. Love one another. That last one comes more than 16 times in the New Testament. What's your reaction when you see a list like that, I wonder? Mine is... Crap, to be honest. How much of that do I actually do? How much of that do we actually do uh, with each other? But in order to be doing as Christ commands us in John 13, 35, to love one another, this is what we're meant to be doing. All of those actions in that list fall under the umbrella of loving one another. I'm not talking about a Valentine's Day, cute and cuddly kind of love, roses and love hearts. Um, I hope my wife doesn't listen back to to this. Um, Or a, we just all need to be nice to to, uh, one another and love each other in kind of a stereotypical hippie, everybody can do what, what they want, but it's fine because we love each other kind of way. No, we're to love, we're to love in a way that is genuine sincere, as uh, verse 9 of our passage um, says. Our passage is one of many that shows us how we should do relationships together. We don't have time to, tonight to go through the, the whole of the, uh, of the passage, but I do want to focus on the first few um, verses. So verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? But is it? It doesn't mean we're to know the difference and steer clear of evil. We are to hate it. Hate is such a strong emotion. When you hate something, you want it gone. You want it nowhere near you. But how often do we flirt with the things that are not for our our good. Instead, we should cling to what is good, like we cling to a rock on a cliff, as if our lives depended on it. If we do this, we keep ourselves in line with the way God wants our lives to be. And we are able to support our brothers and sisters. If we don't hate what is evil and love what is good then how can we, then if we try to support and encourage others, then we're just hypocrites. You, you can't support somebody, encourage somebody in their faith, but then you do something different. We have to hate evil and love what is good. Uh, Again, love must be sincere. If we're devoted to, to someone in love, and the love that is referenced here, uh, so in verse 10, be devoted to uh, one another, that, that love is, is one of a family. 
If you're devoted to, uh, to someone and you're devoted to your family, you want the very best for them. You do what you can to help them, support them. And that's what we need to be doing to, uh, with one another. Sometimes that requires us to support people uh, physically. If somebody um, comes to you and asks you for something, if it's in your power and it is for good, then do it. If, if that's giving a, a meal to somebody who needs it, then do it. If it's to take somebody in, do it. Sometimes, and I say this uh, cautiously because it has to be um, considered and prayer, prayerfully, uh, sometimes it does mean finances, supporting somebody with your finances. But it's certainly through prayer, but it's also through guidance. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs and the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We're to to teach one another and guide one another. Back to our passage. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Bless those who persecute you. This is one I find particularly difficult. Um, We should all expect persecution from the world. Um, We're told that in in Scripture, that the world will will, will hate what we're about um, and to expect persecution. But when it comes from within your own family, it can be particularly difficult and hurtful. Yet we're called to bless those who persecute us and live in harmony. When we do, as we sang in our opening song, we share in the love of the Son with the Father and with the Spirit. Share, the Lord's, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The family of God is, is and should be a sanctuary for those who are in need. This is a place where those in need can come and find, find those needs met. As I've said, there's uh, uh, the physical things um, and guidance, but fellowship. Let's not under, underestimate what, what you can get out of being part of a group of people together. Church should not be a place where you can slip in and slip out again with no conversation and no one knowing your name. We need the support of each other to navigate this world. King Solomon, he was a wise old chap. Uh, there's a couple of verses in the Old Testament written by him that, are still, that still resonate today about how God's people need each other. Two are better than one because they have a good return for for their labour. 
If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? We shouldn't try to do church by ourselves, alone. It can't be done. We can't say, I love God, then keep ourselves separate from the church. We're not meant to take our Christian walk alone, but be part of God's great family. When we join with others, we should find support, a strength to do more than we can on our own, and find warmth and comfort. One commentator writes, Surely he has more satisfaction in life who labours hard to maintain those he loves than the miser has in, in, in his toil. In all things, union ten, tends to su- success and safety, but above all, the union of Christians. They assist each other by encouragement or friendly re- reproof. They warm each other's hearts while they converse together of the love of Christ or join in singing his praises, then let us improve our opportunities for Christian fellowship. In these things, all is not vanity, though there, are, though, though there will be some alloy as long as we are under the sun, where two are closely joined in holy love and fellowship. Christ will by his spirit come to them. Then there is threefold cord. Then there is a threefold cord. If we are to grow as a church and a congregation, we need to be the family that God intended. We are about to go through a period um, of time not seen by this church for 20 years or more. A time without a vector as Alan and Natalie head to pastures new in Amsterdam. Holy Trinity is on a journey through transition. A time where, as we look to who will be called to replace Alan, the church council will be spending time in thoughtful prayer, discerning the direction we'll we'll be taking. What path we will take to, to love the Lord and serve the gospel. If there was ever a time that we should be uniting as a family, it is now and in the months to come. I, there's a band, um, we sing some, some of their, their songs, songs sometimes, called uh, Ren Collective. Um, they, they used to be called Ren Collective Experiment, but it seems like they've got famous, so they don't need to experiment anymore. Um, but they uh, released an album we, uh, last year or the year before called As Family We Go. Um, and this is taken from, from their website. We aren't part of a social club, but we're given a a charge from the Father to share his love with the world. As Christians, we know this world is not our home. We're all on a lifelong journey that ends on greater shores. Until that day, our purpose is clear, and our companionship is the family of God. He's given us each other to encourage, rebuke, care for, weep with, hug, pray for, and laugh with. 
It's so purposefully beautiful. I just want to finish with a couple of suggestions. If you are new and like what you see here, but you are not yet plugged into the life of the church, then please fill out one of our welcome uh, to church cards, uh, which are in the the meeting place. Um, If you can't find them, uh, then come and ask me or another member of staff, and we'd be happy to let you have one. There are so many ways you can find support in this family, whether that's through house groups uh, or the 20s to 30s program, Young at Heart, Cypher. We'd love to give you details and get you hooked up. But if you consider yourself a more mature Christian, why not open up your home and your time getting alongside actively, to actively support, teach, encourage and build up others? Be a mother or father in the faith. I've not checked, uh, but I'm sure Alan um, or Will, uh, when he's here, he's on placement at the moment, or any of the other members uh, of the the staff team uh, will be happy to make some introductions. And likewise, if if you are are looking for that, then come and let us know. Let us be family together, share our experiences, and teach, teach one another. Let us be a church that rejoices with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, and live in harmony with one another. Amen.